Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN, and happy Mother's Day, unless you happen to be a father. John Goodwin is the senior director of Stop Puppy Mills. It's a campaign, a part of the Humane Society of the United States of America. John, it was a, I don't know if you're familiar with the details, uh, but it was a crazy back and forth struggle. I mean, we were one of the early ones right here in Chicago to say, no dogs, no cats can be sold at pet stores. But then, being Chicago, uh, some of the retailers, and I guess I give them some credit for being cred, uh, for being clever here, said, all right, we're selling rescues. And, and they were the same animals they were always selling, but they said, oh, no, but these are rescue animals. And they evaded the law. They got away with it almost a couple of years, actually, before finally... Your amazing Mark Ayers, your Illinois director here, said enough is enough, and we got aldermanic support and all of that, and now the entire state of Illinois has said no dogs or cats can be sold at pet stores. Why is that important in the first place? Well, it's important because of where those puppies are coming from. High-volume pet retailers, like pet stores that sell puppies, rely on high-volume pet breeders. And these are facilities that view the dogs not the way you or I view dogs. As, you know, we see them as family members. They sleep in our beds. We make sure they get the best food and the best medical care and love and attention. No, no, with these puppy mills, these dogs are agriculture commodities. They're units of production, and they're just caged in long rows, being bred every heat cycle to maximize the production of puppies. And it's a terrible life for a dog, and that's why Illinois has said no to the sale of puppies in pet stores. Well, how does that matter? Uh, so does that really make a difference to what these puppy mills, let's call them what they are? But actually, let me back up a step. So there are two providers. Let's be honest about this. There are two providers that generally provide to pet stores, overwhelmingly provide to pet stores. One are a facility you would look at and I would look at and say, oh, my gosh, there's no welfare there whatsoever. That place is horrible. It's everything you just said, but much worse. I mean, the dogs aren't uh, given any veterinary care. They're given very little, if any, human interaction. They're on wires all the time, 24-7, wire cages. They're crammed in with other dogs. They are called puppy mills because they are there, as you mentioned, but they are, I want to make a point of it, only to mate. That is it. That's what they live to do. And when they can no longer do that, they are killed. Euthanize isn't even quite the right word being real about all this. And the places reek so much so that when rescuers come in, they require gas masks to breathe. I know that I've been there. Now, the other type of facility I've never been to, so I can't give you details on. They are mass volume facilities. They say they offer veterinary care. They say they socialize the animals. They say their animals are what they say they are. So if it's a Yorkie poo, they say it truly is a Yorkie poo. But genetic testing on the other end, by the way, has shown otherwise in some cases. Uh, but we don't know because there's no, no transparency whatsoever. And large, large companies, a few of them, one or two of them really, 
operate a handful of facilities, to my understanding. But my understanding is limited, so there's two, only because nobody knows, except the people that run them. Uh, and, and the animals that land at the pet stores, ultimately, nobody knows how they get there. They go through brokers that do all this in secrecy anyway, or the best they can, to do it in secrecy. I've done my best to describe the scenario of what these sources that nobody talks about really are. They vary a bit from one another, from the best, maybe you know more than I know. Can you kind of take it from there? Well, unfortunately, the uh, uh, what you said is, is true uh, in regards to the fact that most of these puppies are coming from really awful places. Um, we routinely see the same sort of animal welfare problems over and over again with the breeding dogs. Uh, you know, the teeth are rotting out of their mouth there spinning circles in a cage because they've become neurotic from just being confined in that cage all the time. And yet, there's enough there that the pet stores can create some talking points that sound convincing to the customers. Let's take one. You mentioned veterinary care. Veterinarians coming in and looking at these puppies. So before these puppies are shipped to a pet store, they have to get a little piece of paper called a Certificate of Veterinary Inspection that accompanies them. And we have taken these CVIs and studied them and found, in one instance, 700 CVIs signed by the same veterinarian in a single day. Now, I don't believe that veterinarian did 700 inspections in a single day. Uh, What he he did was he eyeballed them. He eyeballed the whole population and then just signed off on them. It'll take the whole day just to sign 700 certificates. So it really is a mass production industry, commercial pet breeding, high-volume breeding for high-volume retailers. That's what it is. Uh huh. And, and what we know through studies that have been done is that the dogs that are purchased at the pet stores may, may be okay. They may, they're different than the dogs, the mothers and the fathers at the puppy mills these dogs came from who have a horrible horrible existence, but still, studies have shown they are more likely to have behavior problems and way more likely to have medical problems. Yeah, and you know, it's a very important point that you just made, because a lot of people may look at the pet store puppy in the window and say, well, he looks clean. He was only in the puppy mill for eight weeks. His mom has been sitting in a cage for five years. She does not look like that puppy. Now, to the behavioral problems and the disease problems that are rampant with these pet store puppies, that, that does go from the fact that you've got this long pipeline where the puppy mills breed the puppies, and then they'll take the puppy away from her mom and sell the puppy to a broker. They'll, drive, they'll be driven to a broker's facility where they'll sit in a warehouse for about three days. Then they'll get on another truck. They'll start driving them across the country. And if you're going, if this truck is going to like a New York pet store or a Florida pet store or Oregon, then the puppies in those, you're sitting in that truck for another three or four days. These are key weeks in a puppy's development. It's really no surprise that these puppies who are born to stressed out mother dogs and puppy mills and then put through this grueling pipeline before they even get to a store where they're just going to spend another week in a in a display case, a glass display case. It's really no surprise that they've got behavioral problems. 
And the disease issues are probably coming largely from the transport. Because when you put 160 puppies into a single cargo van, and they're all co-mingled from different kennels, remember, remember, talking about baby animals with immature immune systems, they're peeing and, and pooping every two hours. They're not cleaning that ca- those, those trucks out until, the, until they've finished driving the route. The waste is pooling beneath them. They're crammed in there together. It's unsanitary. If one's sick, they all get sick. The entire commercial pet breeding industry is just broken. Well put. So well put. So what do we do next? I want to talk about that. And where do you get a dog from? I mean, where's the right place to get a dog from? Of course, a shelter or rescue might be the answer, but I want to address maybe the downside of some of those choices. And we'll do that when we come back right here on WGN. Talking with John Goodwin, uh, Senior Director of Stop Puppy Mills, a campaign from the Humane Society of the United States. We all want to stop puppy mills, of course, John. Uh, So let's say I want a pedigree American Cocker Spaniel. I would argue we live in America. There's nothing wrong with getting a purebred dog if that's what people want. I love Britneys. At some point in my life, I'd like another Britney, you know? So, yes, there's a rescue for every breed. Absolutely true. Uh, And yes, some of those breeds can be found randomly at animal shelters and certainly online through places like PetFinder. Those would be a start, I assume. But I want to put you on the spot here. Do you have any issue at all if it's a responsible breeder that people go to that responsible breeder if that is what they want to do? No, no problem with that at all. No problem with that at all. Uh, Now, my dogs are all rescues. I have three. I have one who's 17 and two that I got in the last couple of years, both of whom were little puppies uh, that I got through the animal shelters. So I did get some great, great dogs that way. But there are people that love specific breeds for whatever reason. Maybe they had one as a, as a kid. And to them, I say, if you are a breeder and you want to make sure your breeder is not a puppy mill, uh, well, first off, if you get on humanesociety.org, we do have a breeder checklist. It, it's just a checklist you can find, you can use our search feature on the website to find it, to give you things to look for in a responsible breeder. But I'm going to summarize the three biggies right now. Meet the breeder face-to-face. Meet the mother dog face-to-face. Now, the father dog may not be there uh, because the father dog may have belonged to a different breeder. So just, just meet the mother dog and see where the mother dog lives then you're going to know if you're dealing with someone who has the best interest of the animals as a priority or not. Now, I love what you just said, in part because, well, interestingly enough, you say, I'm going to have fun with you here, you say the same exact thing, almost word per word, as the American Kennel Club book does when they advise people, and I've got the book right here, I could read it to you. Same exact thing that the American Kennel Club says to do to help discern if the breeder is responsible. At the same time, the American Kennel Club is one of those that is fighting very, very hard, spending a whole lot of money. And I do mean a lot of money, a way lot of money. I mean, outrageous amount of money to fight your efforts to ban sales of dogs and cats at pet stores. Yet, 
On the other hand, the American Kennel Club is supposed to say, we support our breeders, and they are supposed to, and they do provide good information, including what you just said. Can you make sense of that? Not really, no. I mean, it's a real contradiction between what the AKC has put in print in in that book, which is spot on, and then what their lobbyists are doing in the legislatures. And it's, you know, it's almost like whoever wrote the book had the right idea, but then someone in charge of the Government Affairs Department said, hey, hold on a second, the AKC is making a boatload of money off registrations from puppy mills, because let's face it, my grandmother had a litter of pugs when I was a kid. What is that, like five registrations? But, you know, Joe Puppy Mill here is giving him a thousand registrations. So then Joe Puppy Mill gets better representation from them than, you know, granny with the litter of pugs once a year. But That's what's, what it comes down to. But You'd think that, but what's confusing to me is today, what those puppy mills are registering are Yorkie Poos or... Peekapoos or whatever poo, and and they're mixed breed dogs, but they call them purebred dogs, and they're nothing that the American Kennel Club can certify, to my knowledge, anyway, or have quote papers for anyway. So it makes it even more confusing to me. I have no clue myself, but boy, uh, the American Kennel Club doesn't like when I say these things. But check it out; it's all absolutely true. So here's what has happened. In our little bit of remaining time we have left here, John, and I could spend hours talking to you. So five states over three, including our own, including Illinois, over 300 cities, or is it 400 cities, actually? Yeah, we're over 400. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. in America that have said no dogs or cats can be sold at pet stores, in some cases also no rabbits, including Chicago. Our county, Cook County, is right there, among other counties that have said the same. So this... This movement all began with citizens, really, before the HSUS came in and other large organizations that said, we want to help. Is this helping? Is, is the, it is. Explain how and why. Yeah, th- this has been a fantastic thing that it got started, as you said, with citizens who said, you know what, we're going to stop the sale of puppy mill puppies in our city and try to shut off the market and put the pinch on them that way. And I came, I was, I've been at the HSUS since the year 2000, but I was in the animal fighting campaign and then our federal lobbying team until 2016. So I got to the campaign in 2016. And what I noticed was the citizen efforts to stop the sale of puppies in pet stores were working. What wasn't working was going into the states that have the most puppy mills and therefore need the most done to stop puppy mills in uh, trying to advance a bill, because these are states with large agricultural economies where big agribusiness is particularly influential. They were killing even the most basic reforms, trying to give the mother dog an extra inch in her cage, and they'd kill it. They'd say it was a slippery slope towards, you know, everyone having to eat vegan or something. I mean, it's just <laughs> absurd. So I said, you know what? These citizens have got it right. We've got to get all on on this pet store thing, because they have to sell those puppies somewhere. And when we stop the sale of these puppies in the marketplace, it dries up the puppy mills. And what I love is that, okay, Chicago said and Illinois said, no dogs or cats can be sold at pet stores. And Beloit, Wisconsin, just on the other side of the border, said uh, the same thing. Uh, fearing that 
all these pet stores may come, or at least one or two, would come to Beloit, Wisconsin. So they kind of built a wall in their community. Hopefully the state of Wisconsin and on the other side, the state of Indiana, will do the same thing and say no dogs or cats can be sold statewide. I know other states, John, we only have like 30 seconds left here, but I know other states are looking at this. Absolutely. New York has a bill. In Lake County, Indiana, on the border of Illinois, about six or seven communities there yep. have passed these humane pet store ordinances as well. Yep. I'm aware of that and have written about it. You can follow what I write at stevedale.tv. You can follow what the HSUS says about all this on their website, simply hsus.org. John, hopefully we will stay in touch, and you know, you do know, if I can help in any way, I will. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you. You know, there's a bill about to, we hope, I hope anyway, passed the United States Senate that has to do with banning mink farms. I talked about this on my Sunday afternoon show, and you can hear me every Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock on WGN talk about all sorts of different things. Mink farming we know is horrible. I mean, right? I mean, if you don't know, it really is. It's like puppy mills. That's how the mink are kept in those sorts of conditions. And they only exist because furs are sold to China. In this country, furs mostly are not sold at all. Uh, So they're horrible places. Sometimes the mink, when they, in fact, always, they die a horrible death. And mink are susceptible to COVID-19, as susceptible as we are. That's the thing. And infections race through the farms, killing mink, but potentially, and it's happened, spawning new variants, which vaccines may or may not protect against. So please support the notion We don't have mink farms in Illinois, but they do exist in Minnesota, other states in this country. They ought not to exist, period, until your U.S. senator, you know who they are, Senator Durbin, Senator Duckworth, that mink farms should just simply go away. Uh, So what do monkeys do when they refuse to monkey around? Endangered Barbary macaques have been refusing to get it on at the Trentham Monkey Forest in Staffordshire, England. This is a real story. So what does the the director do? He says, well, we need some romantic music. So he brought in a Marvin Gaye impressionist. He was hired to serenade the monkeys. And guess what? It kind of worked. The monkeys began grooming activity. And some, uh, how shall I say on the radio, amorous moves. We'll see what happens later as a result of all that. But if it doesn't work, I have some ideas. Maybe there's a Frank Sinatra impersonator. Maybe we know someone who can do that. I'm not sure. Or maybe hiring the real Johnny Mathis. Can you imagine getting that phone call? Uh, This is Johnny Mathis' agent. Well, we'd like you to come over to Staffordshire, England for a concert. Really? At uh, what venue? I've played the Royal Albert Hall in London, which I'm sure he probably has played many times in reality. Uh, No, no, we want you to appear in front of some monkeys. Pardon me? In in front of what? Some monkeys. Because you are a romantic balladeer. And the hope is that the monkeys can reproduce and do it. They do kind of monkey around as a result of your music. I wonder what Mr. Mathis would say to that. Here's what I say. We'll be back bright and early next week, right here on WGN.